Welcome to another episode of Consider This. We are in the studio today. I've got with me uh, Justin Ebert, who works in our um, uh, our high school area, uh, helping with the discipleship process. Um, Mac, the intern, who is uh, right now interning in the adult area uh, with our good friend here, Ryan Vincent, uh, who is in the adult discipleship area. Um, I am also in the adult discipleship area. My name is Jim Johnson. Glad to have you uh, watching and listening to us today. Um, We are in the middle of this Acts series. Now, not even in the middle yet, but we're getting further into the Acts series to start preaching Acts chapter 4. In Acts 4, a pretty powerful statement is made um, that uh, if we stop and consider the context, that to the people of God who have been living under the covenant uh, with God, um, the Mosaic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, at some level, I know the promise was made to David, but kind of fits under the Israeli uh, or the, 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 the Israelites covenant as well, that there would be a king that God would send. All of these things are happening, and then and then... Peter and John preach to these people that they need Jesus. And, and they already have everything. And they already have everything. They've received all the, the message of God. They've got the scriptures. They have all of these promises. And they need Jesus. And they say, hey, well, you need Jesus. You need him. So that's that's critical piece. And so I thought it'd be really, really good for us to spend some time talking about even in the bigger Acts context and how that shares a similar context with us is that um, there is a world, that, and, and the world that has everything, let's kind of stay with the idea here, that has everything but doesn't have Jesus, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, um, it, 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 it describes the fundamental need that exists in all humanity for Jesus and the fundamental um, lie that exists that we can even figure this out on our own or that salvation even comes on our own terms or even at our own understanding. And and the Bible describes salvation as coming from revelation or coming as gift from God to us. And so I just thought it would be really good for us to spend some time just talking about the context, actually, that um, the gospel goes into, the world that the gospel goes into. And so often when you deal with this, you you look at the world and you say, yeah, it is so different Mm -hmm. than say, Christianity, or the way of human thinking is so different than, than God's thinking. And it is. I mean, it is. There's, there are yeah. tons of differences, and we will get to those. This is actually going to be a two-part podcast. And, um, but in the, in the first one, we really thought we would say, hey, before we start talking about all the differences or the exclusive claims that Christ makes on some aspects of our lives and on his creation— Let's just stop and say, man, there are some, and, and, and I think the Christian community, and, and they have, but we could do a better job, at least we could do a better job, drawing some, some uh, common denominators that actually exist between us and the world around us. And uh, I think that can just be a really, really helpful way to look at, at some of these things. And so we actually spent a bunch of time yesterday kind of going through some of this. Um, and so we've got some things that we want to present to you. Um, and I think, Justin, you're going to kind of start. What are some of the fundamental common denominators that Christians share with other people's um, and not even just other peoples that exist today, but even other peoples that have existed through time. There are some common things that world religions or, uh, or, or, or just kind of humans in terms of how they look at the world and how they see the world that are, that are kind of common denominators. What are some of those? Sure. So I'll start with an illustration uh, to help us and then kind of get into why that's helpful and what that means. So uh, the, 
the way I learned this that really helped me the most is thinking of it like a pair of glasses. Oh, look at that. Uh, for those of you that are only listening, sorry, but I actually have glasses on today. <laughs> Boom. Um, so think of like the frames and the lenses, okay? These two basic components of glasses and um, what they do. The frames, uh, they are really meant to keep it on your face, the lenses so that you can see things properly. Yeah. Uh, we talk about this word called worldview. The way you see the world, kind of the way you understand the basic questions that we believe everyone asks. And that is the worldview. That's the lens through which you see all things. But I actually believe, and I think we all believe in here, that the frames we all wear are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. We that, actually are all, we are all, we're like all that. actually wearing like the same frames. We just have different prescriptions lenses. Yeah. or lenses. Yeah. Well, let's not go with the prescriptions analogy. I don't. I don't want to go down that road, um, <laughs> but uh, we all we all have the same frames. We just have different lenses through which we see, and so the frames that we would say, kind of this basic structure, um, which we all work through, these basic questions that we're all seeking to answer are the same. Okay, Jesus is our lens through which we as Christians see things, um, but that's not the same as everyone else. But there are basic questions. So, um, like, how did everything start? Yeah. What is the origin story of all things? Okay, not just me, but going back farther, how do we as a people or how do I as a person answer the question of how did everything begin? That's something that I believe everyone of every different lens or every different worldview has asked. And there's a bunch of, you know, it's interesting because we have a creation story in Genesis Mm -hmm. 1. Um, We're not the only people that have one. There's tons of different creation stories. And even with, say, secular atheists today, so people, like, they have a Big Bang Theory, which is right now falling on harder times. But, yeah. but it's you a have... a story. Yeah, it's a creation story. Sure. They, so origins. They like to use word... We won't get into this. They, everyone has language yeah. that they use to describe their lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular lens group doesn't like to use religious terms. So instead yeah. of saying they have an origin story... They say they have a theory of everything or a theory of the beginning of existence or matter or time. Um, So everybody believes that of some kind of beginning, some kind of origin. But then uh, we all believe that there's some type of standard. Okay, so there's some type of common ground which denotes what is good or what is evil. Um, now that may change for yeah. a different group, yeah. right? So yeah. the lenses doesn't mean may we be all agree about what Correct. those things are, Correct. but everybody has a "you can't do this" yes. mentality. Yeah. Yes, somewhere on the scale of really good to really bad, we move that scale depending on our lens. But we all have a standard. Okay, we have an origin story that we believe, and then we have a standard for what we believe is right and wrong. Okay, and then I'm going to skip one, and we all actually believe in some type of preferred future. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean everyone believes that there's something after you die, but everyone believes that there is some type of preferred destiny or preferred future in which you as a person are working toward. Yeah. Okay, and that means that there's a standard and there's a future. There's something in between in which this process where you get to move toward that preferred future. Yeah. Okay, so if you break the standard, if you go against what is 
what you believe is right, yep. you're headed toward a not preferred future, yeah. a bad place, or okay? or even society breaking down and yeah. corruption that it, and you know racism and sexism. Yes. These are the these you're breaking a standard. You're going to and you're making hell on earth for people. Yeah. Yes, and so that's that yes. process. Even though they might not use sin, um, but they definitely are creating slums yes. and uh, oppression and 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 the bad place is here on it's earth. Here. To them. So you don't have to believe that there is an existence for us after we die. So this would be the more secular atheist view. Um, they don't believe that there's some type of existence after they take their last breath. They believe that the future they're working toward is, number one, leaving this world better than you found it. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is the very best you can do, is yeah. leave a legacy better than you found it. And if you don't do that, um, then you have led a bad life. And if you make the world better than you found it, if you discover a new truth or you are a proponent of truth, um, verifiable facts in their mind, um, or if you just are a good person, okay, going back to their standard, that is how you have that preferred future. And so we have origin, we have standard, we have a process for getting to this future desired good or bad, whatever that is, whether it's in this life or the life to come. By the way, most people have said that this origin results from some type of God or gods and that there is actually some type of afterlife. Okay. So just to be clear, we kind of always go toward that extreme view of the secular. Everything is just based on science and matter and there is no existence afterward. That is like the minority. Okay. So even in the world today, that's the minority. Yes. For all of time and even today. So we'll use that example a lot because it's kind of the opposite extreme. And and it's our context for a lot of what we have. It's a lot of very Western, I would say probably even even more than that is the belief that there's some type of God. And yeah, if you're good or bad, then you do get to have some kind of good place sometime in the future. So it's very bland. It's very much a mesh of a d- bunch of different theologies, therefore making yeah. it a really bad lens through which most Americans see the world. Okay. So then when Paul is walking into that context, that's what he's experiencing. Like yeah. they have a, somebody made this. Um, there is a good and there is a bad. Um, we're trying to, we're, we're going through something and ultimately we'll end up somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of the, the major, major questions. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the, the original context that yeah. Paul would have walked into um, both. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how much you want to talk about kind of the Jewish context because we're going to be coming back yeah. to that in the second part of this, or if you just kind of want to stay in the. I want to do, um, I want to briefly fly through the Jewish context because it matters to, to Paul's message so much, but I'm going to spend most of my time talking about the, the Greek and the Roman context, but that, that's one of the unique things about Paul's world or the, the Mediterranean world is it really is in the first century, a convergence of Eastern and Western thought. I mean, the, the decidedly European West has not yet been formulated by the yeah. time Paul is, is on his missionary journeys. Rome is certainly in power, and decidedly so, but the, um, the, the westerni- westernization of the world hasn't really taken its deepest roots yet, though most of our Greek philosophers have come and gone by this point. But just real quick. On, in terms of his Jewish context, so particularly in the, in the area of Palestine, but even in what we call the diaspora, say Asia Minor, where there's still a significant... The diaspora is the kind of the dispersion of, of, of Jews the Jewish people into the Greek, into world. The Greek world. And so you, you would actually have some down in Egypt, yep. in the Alexandrian area, and then you would have some in Asia Minor. 
Iran, uh, which is yes. you know Persia at that time, but modern day Iran. So you you can see this in Paul's missionary travels whenever he goes out into these Greek speaking areas, Greek controlled areas, even Roman provinces, and he first goes to the synagogue. So there's there's a Jewish context in many of these places that he goes. But on questions one and two, in terms of the origin, so to to the Jewish mind, in terms of origin and standard, it's very similar to what we understand as Christians. There is sure. a a single God, a monotheistic religion that that understands one creator who is sovereign over all things and and we have violated his standard and we have sinned against him yeah that's that's the standard that's that's been um marred but to the answer as to what the preferred future is you might be surprised that the jewish concept of heaven is not all it's not entirely similar to what we think of as heaven. Yeah, yeah. And so in terms of what they're looking for and this preferred future, they're looking for these three things. They're looking for a new temple, a new king, and a new creation. Now, I would say that in the end, Christians are looking for those things. We might not use those phrases, yeah, but if, yeah. you are, if you are a first century Jew, you're looking for the reestablishment of, of God's place of worship. Uh, where his presence is, you're looking for the establishment of God's promised king that would that would reign forever, and you're looking for this coming new creation promised in the prophets. And so that doesn't mean that they didn't have a belief in the afterlife. They they had a very deep belief in the afterlife, but it's not this removed heaven concept that many Christians walk around with today. So in yeah. that sense, it's a little bit different, but still preferred future we're moving toward. Now, in terms of their process, their process is. Um, decidedly different as Paul will come in and challenge sure. in terms of how to get to this preferred future. And so they're looking at their world, the Jewish people are, and they are, what they see is they see a string of unfulfilled promises and they, and they, the, their process is what needs to take place in order for God's promise that the new temple, the new king and the new creation will come to fruition. And finally, so, and all of the earth will be under God's dominion, Rain. so to speak. Yep. Um, yep. And so they're looking at, you know, we, we need to have, like, we need to have Torah obedience. We need to have a, a reverence for God. We need to, I mean, I wrote down some, a number of things that kind of influence. They, 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 they feel like we're still in exile and we need this complete restoration to take place. So they're turning and they're, this, is, this helps us understand some of um, Jesus' interactions with some of his contemporaries as they're looking at Rome and it's this looming shadow that's that is caesar over the land of palestine and they're just saying we haven't been delivered yet yeah we're still yeah. in exile we're still in egypt yes in, you know in the bigger yeah. in the bigger in sense, that right? sense the new exodus egypt. has not yeah. been completed yeah right yeah. and so yeah. that's that's broad strokes the jewish mindset right and and we'll get into that much more so next time we're in here maybe probably next week whenever we we actually hit the text the the, the scriptures and see how paul engages with that but when Paul goes out, he goes into a Greco-Roman world, and the, the Greek ideas very much had permeated Palestine by the time he's doing his missionary work. It's been Hellenized to a, to a great extent. But he goes out, and so to the, the Greek mind, they have their origin stories. Um, they have a pantheon of gods. So you have the 12 gods on Mount Olympias. Um, you have, I, I just wrote them down. Just, I mean, you guys will all recognize these names. Zeus, Her, uh, Hera. Poseidon, Athena, Apollo, Artemis, Aphrodite, Hermes, Demeter, Dionysus, Hephaestus, and Ares. Okay, so we know these gods, right? We're familiar yeah. with these, Most at of least them. at least in name. They also have, in terms of this this pantheon of of supernatural beings, they have these like nature deities. Yeah. So they have like 
tree spirits and river nymphs, you know? <laughs> I so, like that phrase, river nymphs. <laughs> river nymphs. River nymphs. That actually, river I might nymphs. start calling you guys river nymphs. <laughs> Appreciate river that. Nymphs. Oh, I so don't want but that. But if, if, if the <laughs> Pantheon sounds crowded so far, they also had a host of what were known as diamonists, which would be roughly equivalent to the Christian concept of demons. Demons, Just yeah. spirits yeah. that are kind of everywhere. They had uh, Hestia, the hearth goddess of each home. And it's very interesting in the Greek world, like the father of the home is the, the priest of that particular house. sanctuary. Yeah. House of worship. Interesting. You have uh, Pan, the goat god. Gaia, the, the earth god. Hades, the god of the underworld. That one is, is interesting. You have Helios, the god of the sun. And then Asclepius is the god of healing. These are very common, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the Greek world is, no, is nothing close to uniform. Um, it's, very, um, it's very pluriform in the sense that you have polises, you have cities, and they kind of have their own thing. They might even have their own, they would certainly have their own local deities as well as these kind of um, overarching ones. But that's really their origin stories. So Paul's preaching to this world. <laughs> Bring monotheism to this world and, and see how complicated it gets. Yeah. Their standards were, were nothing at all like ours. It had virtually nothing to do with morality. It is basically, in a nutshell, keep the gods happy. Yeah. They were very capricious. They were, um, they were violent and they were vindictive. They were actually the most immoral thing in society were the gods. <laughs> and you have to appease them in some sense. Now, uh, and appease... And sorry, just to add, and to be like a god was absolutely out of their minds. They would never have said, yeah, I want to be like, be. I want to be like Ares, Zeus. or I want to be like Zeus. <laughs> no. Like, no one thought that way. <laughs> so they, they, they've got to figure out how to keep these gods happy. And, and so their preferred future, like Max said, is not divinity in some sense. It's actually just generally a good life. And, uh, and to some degree that the gods would reward them, that they could live in some state of bliss, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but being Greek culture the way that it was, having these like cities that, that had their own local deities and then the overarching deities, there was also like, the, like this, this communal sense where our greatest good is actually the welfare of the city. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's our own collective flourishing. Mm -hmm. And that, that was, so this is why Athens is so like... Um, like lo in love with itself and Sparta is so in love. It's not this, it's not the Greek religions. It's the Athenians yeah. and the Spartans, yeah. right? It's very, very localized. So um, th that that's kind of the future. So what's the process? Now they have, it, it just sounds like ancient worship in many ways. They, they offer sacrifices to these deities in exchange for things like fertility and prosperity and protection. It's how do I get... My preferred future, which is health and well-being and, and generally prosperity, well, I will, I will make sacrifices to appease the gods. Now, appeasement in and of itself is not a non-Christian idea, right? Yeah, we yeah, have our, yeah. our doctrine of propitiation. But theirs is very much a, what, can, what I got to do to get you to do what I want? That's kind of the that's kind of the the relationship they have with the gods. They also had which prayer. you know just think about that for a moment. You know what do I got to do to get what I want is so often what I deal with today. Mac, you'll talk about this here in a second. Yeah. But that is that's a human experience. Mm -hmm. um, I know people that start coming to church when difficulties happen. When we were in Japan recently, 
the one thing that they knew is like after Typhoon 22 or 21 that um, attendance would would increase in church. And it's not just because people are going, wow, I really am getting in touch with the with the uniform God of the universe. I, I don't know exactly who he is, but no, they're appeasing the gods yes. in some sense, right? Yeah. They're bringing their context or their understanding into the world. Yeah. So when earthquakes happen or when um, revolt happens, the gods are not happy or the gods are not pleased. How do we appease? And and and, uh, and if our football team won, yeah. um, that's awesome. And if our football team lost, how do we appease? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, so, when you were talking about the, changes. The, the glasses analogy, I thought immediately, I thought, how many people do we talk about having orange uh, orange tinted glasses or crimson tinted glasses? Like they can only see the world through OSU football. Yeah. And it colors everything and it provides a lot of delusion. Um, <laughs> just slide that in. Moving yeah. on. Moving on. But in the ancient world, like their process also involved prayer. Prayer is not a unique thing to, to Christianity. Now, prayer in the Greek world, though, was dangerous because you better do it well. Better do it right because you're talking to a violent God. And so and, and to, in many cases, you know, if I if I do something out of step, my my plea to the fertility God is actually going to be met with like a barrenness of the womb, you know. And so they were kind of spiteful. Sure. Um, so so God's the unpredictable. Most of most of what you're dealing with here in terms of even the process and getting to the destination, um, if you don't get origin right. Right. So if the origin, if the God is. Um, manipulative. Yeah. Then you you're dealing with manipulation all the time. So even your appeasement can be manipulative. Yeah. And so it's very interesting that when you start with X, when you start with a god that there really isn't a god, it's just hydrogen. Hydrogen was the beginning of the universe, right? It's the it's the basis before in the beginning. You've heard in the beginning God. I tell you in the beginning hydrogen is a famous statement from a scientist years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then that's going to give you some understanding about what the destination there isn't one or the process. Pick mm-hmm. your own. Yeah, like all of these things are interrelated. Yeah, and so think about the complexity of Paul going into a world like this. But now here, look at the similarities. Here were standards in like. Standard objects or ideas or concepts in their patterns of worship. They had temples. They had festivals. They, uh, their deity spoke to them through dreams. They had oracles. We would call them prophets. They had scriptures, though they didn't rely on them to the same degree that the Jews did by any means. But um, they had what were known as the Sibylline oracles, and they even had a cast of priests whose job it was to protect and interpret these oracles. We called those in the New Testament scribes and yeah. Pharisees, yeah. you know, and so you see so many similarities. Paul walks into a world and it's, yep, 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 yep. That's a little different, but I can work with this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that's the Greek world. And, and it's important to see that in, in, the, in the New Testament, these are not, well, I'm in a Jewish context and now I'm in a Greek context. And then over here, Rome's in charge. It's three layers in virtually every situation. Yeah, yeah that's a good and, point. and Paul is having to cut through all of them with the gospel message. Now, before I, uh, and Rome will be much quicker than, than Greek here, than the Greek concept, but let me just quickly mention an Eastern mystery religion that, that was now influencing this part of the world when Paul's doing his missionary travels. There are many, but this is called uh, Mithraism, and it, it, it is said to have originated in, in at least Syria, maybe as far east as India. But by the time that Paul is doing his missionary journeys, it's made its way into the, into the Roman world. So... Mithras is a sun god. He's a heavenly soldier fighting for light, truth, and justice. Okay? And so, like, 
if if we start to think that uh, Christianity or even go back to, to Judaism and we think that we have the cornerstone on on like a God who is moral, we don't. That's not a new idea, right? You have this in competing versions. Now listen to this. Listen to how similar this sounds. The aim, so the 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 the, the desired future in this religion is inner spiritual strength, a better life after death. And then strength to be brave or resolute in fighting, um, fighting Rome's battles and defending the empire. So it's got a, a decidedly Roman component to it, but it's got this inner spiritual strength, this this quickening of one's inner life, and then a better life after death. Resolve. Li- listen to how they get there. Worship took place in caves, okay, covered in zodiacal um, decoration with an elaborate picture of Mithras killing a bull and rescuing his worshipers by means of its blood. And in order to celebrate this, they would gather together and share a common meal. Now, if you think that Paul comes in with his talk of blood that saves and then that is, that is regularly celebrated by breaking bread, like look at the complexity sure, of that message sure. going into a world where this was where this was common and even the sacrificial systems that we see um in judaism it's not they're the only place i mean yeah. this is what confuses people though people go oh so christianity is borrowing it from and i'm going I, here I, I hear where you get that from um we, we could talk about which one is the precursor to which but by the way there was circumcision before god gave it to abram mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's noted. It's interesting in the text. Abraham doesn't have to say what's that. What's that? Yeah. I mean, so there's there and there's sacrifices that happen before Moses and Aaron. Yeah. So you know, re- remember that even though all these things ultimately, all these truths we talked about this yesterday in your office, all of these truths lead to ultimately God in control of everything. So you know, and I believe that's Yahweh God. We believe mm-hmm. that's Yahweh God. But in terms of how this gets played out in society and how this gets played out in culture, definitely lots yeah. of similarities. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at the Roman context real quick. Just here's the pantheon of origins. Okay, 20 seconds. Okay. <laughs> so you have all the same gods. They've just Romanized the yep. names, right? New names. So, so, Saturn, Jupiter, yeah. Mercury. They also had concepts of where uh, there's a cult that, that was operating within the Roman system that had a, it was, they, they worshiped a god known as the Theos Hupistos, Hupsistos. And, and really it just means God most high. Yeah. But what they saw is they saw in the pantheon and in all of these spiritual beings, they saw that they were just different aspects of one God. And uh, I think that that is, that is a very interesting for, for, Paul's message to have to go in and, and to describe, okay? Now, it goes further. There is also what was known as the Capitoline Triad, which were, there were yep. three preeminent gods, gods that stood out over and above the rest. You have Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva, or Zeus, and, and, and Poseidon, and all of them. But, like, you have, you have, like, imagine preaching a triune message in a world that already has a bit of a godhead, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Although it's more of a tritheistic godhead, it's still... Uh, uh, some the similarities are close enough to make it complicated, right? They also had abstracted gods uh, like Fides, a god of faith. Yeah, Eustisa, the god of justice. Um, they had also Victoria, Libertas. They had, it wasn't all um, foreign ideas to what we would ascribe as characteristics of God, but they they had taken characteristics, and uh, this is where I think they're they're touching upon reality. They're taking characteristics and 
and abstracted them into individual deities. Um, they also had household gods. And then Rome itself was sacred. And I find this very interesting because in, in much of the Old Testament, you get a similar feel for Jerusalem yeah. that the Roman world had for the city of Rome. Yeah. And then we won't go into it because it's very long and complicated, but just know that over time, the what became known as the Roman imperial cult developed, where yeah. the, the, um, the worship Caesars... Worship of Rome itself and yeah. worship of Caesar himself yeah. and that kind of stuff. So. so their standards, very similar to the Greek concept, just pleasing the gods, making them happy. And they had no concept of morals in their worship system there. Their future, very similar to the Greek concept. Also, they that um, in, in, in terms of we want to have like a, a nice life, their few, their the, like the the goodness of their future also included the expansion of the empire. So it's a little bit of an evangelistic idea in yeah. in that sense. Um, process was conquest <laughs> that that achieved a lot of what they wanted to do and colonize. You know, Philippi is a Roman colony. That that and, but they had clergy. They had many of the same things. They had a a council of fifteen men who protected their scriptures and interpreted them. Um, this is this is interesting. So I, I found this in a, in a book doing a little bit of research. It says to the Roman world, religio or religion was something you did. Personal belief would be an inappropriate way of understanding religion in Rome. It was it was everything that you did with your whole being. Um, I I wrote down a couple of quotes that would I think help us, but I think we might need to move on. Um, well, let me let me just read this this short little sentence here. The word religio, this is N.T. Wright in a book on Paul's theology as it, it deals with this empire. The word religio penetrated more or less every area of life, from the home with its hearth and household gods, right up to the great affairs of state, noble works of art and culture, the most important buildings and civic ceremonies. Religion was everywhere because the gods were everywhere. And so it's into that context that monotheism is now a message that we're preaching. It's now birthed. So... Um, it's a complicated world with multiple layers that Paul is preaching to, but the one thing that he wasn't preaching to was an unreligious world. And I think what we can learn from that is, I think what Max is, Mac is going to help us understand is that I don't know if we're preaching to an a-religious world either. Yeah, I think that they might talk like that's true, but well, I don't even, think it's true. Yeah, but even within even within like secular atheism, we would say I don't know if they're irreligious. Right. Yeah, I mean it's a just they a like to think they are. Well, yeah. They just they it's just stripped it of its language. Different different names for the priests, so to speak, and that's what's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and it's it's one 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 final thing before we break into the uh, to, to the new world. Um, so much of their standard type stuff really revolves around that which is utilitarian or functional for society and even for the individual. So when we hear about hedonism. The enjoyment of life, or Stoic or Epicurean philosophy, it's a it's a bit of a do whatever you want, mm -hmm. but it's a well thought out do whatever you want. Yeah. So the reason why I don't take somebody else's wife is not because I can't, or even that I shouldn't, but it's that I shouldn't because now I got Ryan chasing me down all the time. And think about it, like yeah. is that the better life? No, probably isn't. Tell yeah. you what, why don't you just keep Rachel? And so I'm going to find somebody. So it's it's not like there's this ethic trying to please a deity. It's I'm just trying to find the path of least resistance. Is yeah. a lot of what Greek and Roman philosophy is that which is ultimately best for the state. Yeah. That which you know, and I think there's that real common denominator. That's why you'll have a lot of the new atheists like Sam Harris describing. Isn't it just common sense that we all seem to agree to be nice to each other yeah. and that the Holocaust was bad? Yeah. Like there is there's a common sense about it and and we can and say by the way they say common sense but what they really are saying if i want to use 
like real big religious terms. You're talking about a universal morality. Yeah. It really is what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and without hearing this as if I'm taking a dig at anybody, a book titled Your Best Life Now would have sold very well in the Roman world. <laughs> that is what the entire society was yeah. built around. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay, Mac. So we're already uh, 32. So we're gonna have to cut something. So. Well, just why don't you start talking, and we'll see kind of where where you know where this goes. Okay. We're trying to keep these in the, in a, in a certain context, but I I think we have to at least get through as much as possible okay. in terms of what the modern context is. So why don't you kind of describe? Ryan did a great job describing the the original one. Talk about what we're dealing with today and how they understand origins and 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 what Justin presented at the beginning. Yeah. So. Ryan's right. We're we're living in a world that is still religious. We've just convinced ourselves that we're not religious. Um, Jordan Peterson, someone I've been listening to for a while, who's just really wise, not a Christian at all, um, but he had a conversation with Sam Harris, and which was a great debate and a conversation that they had about Sam's view, who's a famous atheist and loves to debate. Sam's view is a very shorthand way of saying we know that there is good and bad. And Sam's trying to say, if we can just agree on this idea that a bad situation, and then he describes the situation, can we all agree that that is bad? And everyone would say yes. Everyone. Everyone would say yes. And he says, if we can agree that that is a bad situation, then we can say that we should desire something better. And then he gives a better situation. And he says, if we can agree that a bad situation should turn into a good situation, then we can quantify, like, then you can quantify ethics and you can quantify good decisions and bad decisions based on does it lead you toward that place or not? Which is, I mean, for a Christian person, you'd say, wow, I guess he's like, he's right though. Yeah. But he, he, but he there's doesn't, a, there's a, there's a wisdom in that. Yeah. That he's saying something true. And so we get a little scared when an atheist says something really smart. Well, what they're saying is universal to every single person's experience on the earth. Yeah. And so when he's having this conversation with Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson just says, okay, but let me just put religious words to what you're saying. And he says, so you're describing hell and you're describing heaven and you're describing a process that can take you closer to heaven or into a deeper hell. And our highest moral good is to move towards the good and to move away from the bad. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson basically says, all you're doing is describing the Christian ethic and you just took away all the religious terms, terms. Yeah. which is a really important question because the reason why this has to do with the exclusivity of Jesus, meaning that Jesus can and is or can be and is the only way to do life correctly is because we struggle with these four pillars of reality hmm. that we struggle with the idea that we're all trying to answer the same questions. Yeah. And then the assumption is, well, if we're all trying to answer the same questions, all answers are equally right. And yeah. we all know from biology class <laughs> that just because everyone's taking the same test doesn't mean that everybody gets the same grade. Yeah. And that's just something that people don't think about. If we're all trying to answer the four same basic questions, then why does it matter how you answer them? Well, because if they're questions that need to be answered, then we are assuming that there is a right and a wrong answer. Sure. Even I mean, even for the secular thinker, for the average person in America who has moved away from a literal creation narrative to 
believing in evolution, not fully understanding the depth of that because science is still trying to figure out their full argument and always changing. And so you can't really count on the current idea. It's always going to be changing and always evolving. Sure. As they're seeking the truth. That's the piece that's interesting is that they're trying to understand truth and they believe that is a high moral good. Yeah. Well, I could just put that in religious language. You mean that moving towards the ideal universal thing, we would call him Jesus, that that is the way that you make a better future, i.e. get to heaven? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. And in the, and they are saying that. Yeah. They're saying the same thing, and it matters that they're saying it differently. Yeah. Because what we are going to talk about next week is that just because we're answering the same questions, you have to actually look at other people's answers. Yeah. And that's why we could say, no, all religions are not the same. The only person who says all religions are the same is someone who's never studied religion. Yeah. It's just not true. Like, yeah. go look at, there's obvious differences. Yeah. But because the language is similar, because we're all answering the same questions, we go, well, I mean, it's, we're all doing this thing. Yeah. Which then begs the question, okay, if we are all doing this thing, then which way is right? Yeah. And it's diving into that question and dealing with the responses of, let's say, the, the major monotheistic religions of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, or even Eastern religions, which have a lot, a lot of influence on the way that I understand yeah. even Christianity. Sure. Because Christianity, as much as people want to say, is not a Western idea. It's a deeply Eastern idea. It is. It's so Eastern. Yeah. They're Jewish people. These are yeah. people like, <laughs> these are people from the Middle East. Yeah. So... To say that Christianity is Western or has it has become westernized as it's moved away from its its true roots. true roots and what it means and like to walk away from the scriptures. Yeah. Okay. The scriptures are the representation of a Eastern idea. Yeah. And to walk away from those to the church or Western Christianity. He's using air quotes. By yeah, the way. I am if using air quotes. In the, in the, in the, to walk away from the scriptures and move on to when something. When you're doing it, I'll just go. Moving away from that to something else, maybe a social structure or something that... No, that's not air quoted. <laughs> okay. Moving... Just, I got excited. Okay, moving, can I just get excited about air quotes? You're yeah. like... Open quote. Close okay. Quote. Cool. I, lost, I lost my train. You're like... <laughs> you are, so you are Joey from Friends now, Jim. <laughs> you are Joey from Friends. You are. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I don't, I don't remember where <laughs> I was going. Oh, I so if, it, it. if you move away, this is why, this is why people in... in the, I guess it would be like the South in America, why we fight so hard to stay close to the scriptures yeah. is because all of the complaints that the Sam Harrises have against the church, air quotes, is because of people who behaved in ways that are not characteristic yep. of the scriptures. Yeah. Yep. The, they're upset at the Spanish Inquisition saying, look at what is done in, in yep. the name of religion. Yep. And I'm agreeing with Sam that that was evil, mm -hmm. but I'm disagreeing on what caused evil. Sure. So Sam, this is the problem where we disagree in a lot of areas, is that as far as- And it, Sam, in this sense, kind of represents the secular atheist. So it's really, yeah, it, it is Sam, but it really is in so many ways, like the the, the modern mood, yeah, right? He's, he's a bit the, of a popular mouthpiece. Yeah, the yeah, modern the secular mood. And a mood. good thinker. Yeah, and a good thinker, yeah. and a, a well-intended man. Yeah. Um, on the campus of Oklahoma State University using air quotes, yeah. right? Like this yeah. is the, this is our context. Yeah. Okay. So what he's doing is basically what he's trying to say is a 
do better mentality. Sure. Just do better. That's what we need to do as human beings. And we don't need need religion. We don't need quotes, religion to do to that. Do it. Yeah. No, yeah. that's what he's saying. And so a lot of people can buy into that because of the religious air quotes baggage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to deal with the history of the church. I don't want to have to deal with all of the deception and the deceit. I don't want to have to carry that and be able to explain that. Yeah. So I'm gonna jettison religious language. Yeah. And I'm just going to do the foundational things that the Christian things taught us, which is try to be a better person. Yeah. And that's not what Christianity is about. Yeah. It is not about being a better person. This is why you have to evaluate the process. You take those four things. Well, let's evaluate the atheist's process. The atheist believes that you can make decisions good and bad. But the Christian belief isn't that you can make good and bad decisions prior to being transformed and saved. Yeah. The Christian belief is that you are by very nature bad. Yeah. And therefore, if there is something within you that is bad, not just that you do bad things, but that you are a bad person, then you need something to change who you are so you can do good things. Yeah. And Sam, uh, the atheist, would say, no, human beings are amoral, which means they're neither good nor bad. The decisions we make... Mm-hmm. But even in our own lives, if you actually carry that out, you know that's not true. Yeah. Because in our own lives, you, you can see if you look at Islam for an example, Islam is kind of a, I don't want to be reductionistic, so if I'm articulating this in, a, in an incomplete way, I apologize. But as far as just reducing these things down, they also believe that they're going to be saved by the grace of Allah. Yeah, the mercy. They love the it's, mercy. It's the mercy the because what they're saying is, I've done all of these bad things. And now I'm going to do all of these good things. And I hope that Allah will choose to look at me according to the good things that yeah. I've done and not the bad things that I've done. Yeah. And so atheists do that without saying, I hope Allah. Yeah, they, they just say, remove I Allah. Hope, I hope society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope the future. I hope my descendants. I hope the generations who follow me will look at my life and say, the things that I have done that are good are greater than the things that I've done that are bad. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. And that mechanism of just doing good falls apart when you have in your own mind from your own personal experience a tendency to do more bad than good mm-hmm. it's a it's a christians call it a nature but it's a it's something that other religions as far as i can understand don't wrestle with enough is that if i am truly making good and bad decisions at 50-50 why is it that 97% of my decisions always result in my own personal misery. Yeah. Not just in the misery of other people. Yeah. But that the things that I want to do, the thoughts that can pop into my head, how is it that a major the vast majority of those actions that I want to do, that I might not do, but the actions I want to do are fundamentally evil, even in the sight of people who don't believe in religion. Yeah. Yeah. The if you if you deal with that, all answers to that question are not equal. And therefore, those questions have to be answered in a way that will be able to make sense of the whole. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we were talking and Justin was saying, you know, as I've learned about other religions and I learn more about worldview, it's not that I just blindly believe Christianity. Yeah. I have assessed the options and Islam doesn't take care of my sin nature. Um Secular theology in terms of like rationality, just being able to think. Science and rationality. Science and rationality. Just think it through. I'm saying the same thing. Think it through. That doesn't deal with me in the way I need it to. It just truly doesn't. 
in my own personal experience, just thinking that I should be better and trying to be better has never worked. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't answer that question. And so if I, if I was able to be a blank slate, I would throw up, well, think about New Land Buddhism. How does this answer your world problems? That's pretty good. It's almost a salvation by grace through faith idea. Yeah. yeah. If I chant his, this, this one monk who, who was able to um, be kind of transformed into a mediator, and because he was able to not enter nirvana but was able to be in a mediating state, he said that if anyone called on his name, then they could go to nirvana. And so if I just call on his name, well, but that doesn't really deal with my problem because I have to do it sincerely. Yeah. And because I'm a being, this is what I said yesterday, because I'm a being of self-deception, if, if I can deceive my own self, you have to wrestle with that question. If you are capable of deceiving yourself into believing things that you don't believe, which shows you are fragmented, that you have different pieces of you, yeah. if you can do that, then there is no way that anything of you inside of you or of any other human being can do to show you the truth. Yeah. That's impossible. You yeah. can't have a self-deceptive being come to the nature of truth. That's why other religions and even the secular, secular worldview, we come to a point and we agree on these ideas and we go, okay, this is where we're all stuck. But Christianity says, and along with some other monotheistic religions, they say, no, it didn't come from contemplation. It came from revelation. That outside of the human being, something came down and dealt with the problems we couldn't answer in a ways that suffice all of our questions. And so that's what we have to wrestle with. So, okay. No, no, no. I like that a lot. So let me, let me just summarize real quickly. And then, Justin, I'm going to just ask you, since these guys have done a great job just kind of setting the table, both in the Pauline world and then in our world, you might want to add kind of a final thought, but what I what I really appreciate about what you guys are saying is is that so in the in the in the Acts world they had so many similar ideas, similar ways of looking at. They all had priests and places of worship and 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 a, and a heaven and an ultimate end and a and a beginning. So they had all of these things. And then what you're saying, Mac, is that even when you look at today, it's not like you've got the religious world and then the secular world and they're opposite. What you're saying actually is, is that the secular world w might want to get rid of the language or even blame the religious world for a lot of the problems. But in the end, they have to deal with what Justin described, origins. They got to just come up with a standard. They got to come up with a process of, of getting to that place. And then they have that place, whether that be on the other side of, 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 uh, of life or on this side of life. Um, whether we all agree, but in the end, you cannot escape. Yeah. So these there's these deep substructures that are, in essence, put there somehow. Yeah. Um, even Jordan Peterson would argue, like evolutionary, um, that we develop uh, these questions. That we over develop these questions over evolution. time. So he kind of laughs at to get rid of the religious ideas. Actually, defies what billions of years of evolution has created. That's yeah. not our answer, but that's Jordan's answer. And then we say, no, there's actually something that God has put inside of us that has allowed this. And I, I love that statement. I don't know if I've ever heard it before, but that we find God not through contemplation, but through revelation. Mm -hmm. That's good. Justin, any final thoughts? Yeah, we went a little later, but this, there's a lot happening yep. here. As we begin to bridge over toward the claims of Christianity, the claims of Scripture, the claims of Jesus, um, we read a book called The Weight of Glory, and C.S. Lewis describes yeah. the weight of glory being that somehow 
the most important thing is that there is a God and he has a thought about you and that your thoughts about him somehow affect that in a way we don't really understand, but this weight that there is a God and he has a thought about you and that thought determines your forever. (laughs) As A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. Mm -hmm. And so as Mac illustrated, there is a right answer to the test. (laughs) <laughs> and it is really, really important that we know what the right answer is. And so that's what we're really hoping to do mm-hmm. is to help people see how people through time have answered the test and then to give what we believe to be the right answer. It's good. Thank you, guys. I mean, honestly, there's a lot that's actually happening there. But we need to know what they were dealing with in the book of Acts. And then we go, wow, that is so different the exact same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of the, I mean, in closing, one of the things that I see is Max, right. They like, they can't answer the, uh, like a problem. What we would say is the problem of like our own innate sinfulness. They, they, they don't have an answer for it. But what I see is their response to that, at least as of the last couple hundred years is to just change the standard. They just, sure. they just keep moving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, until, that's until it lines up with kind of how I already am. Well, and I'll tell you what's really interesting is is this is why I hear over and over and over again the new tribalism. It's the new, basically it's that we're reverting back to these tribes since we can't agree upon this uber ethic, this Mm -hmm. ultimate ethic, then in the end let's just splinter off into subgroups where we believe A and you believe B and you believe C and you, which by the way, takes us all the way back to Athens and Sparta. Athens and Sparta. So it's it's fascinating mm-hmm. how you either kind of hold everything together or you get this new tribalism. And so I'm going to ask you, in terms of looking at even even American culture today, don't you just look at it and say, wow, this whole idea of us just pursuing our own understanding and the common, well, that's given us what we have today. And mm-hmm. it is divisive and it is there's we've lost a sense of civility. And why? It's because we've decided to, to, to splinter out. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a professor who used to always say that it's fascinating that the common sense that we all want to appeal to isn't so common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need Jesus. Okay, guys, there's 50 minutes of, of, uh, of fun. Hope that you got some brain candy out of that. And uh, know that we love you guys. Stephen. Hey, thank you for all that you do and for uh, I appreciate that so much there, Steve's Thumb. Thank you, you guys, for the extra work that you did to be a part of it. Um, us four, we four, we're going to be back next week and we're going to hit on uh, X412, how Jesus becomes the exclusive answer to all these things. Love you guys.